0: Well, it's always good to be with family. That's the beautiful thing about being here is even though Madison and I do have the privilege of pastoring over in Fort Payne, anytime that we come here, this is still family. And anytime you come over there, it's family. Or if you go to the well in Huntsville, it's family. And I love what God's doing through this house in our communities separately and together. And I'm excited to be here with you today. Um, and I'm excited about tonight. I'm looking forward to being here. We're going to Love on the Lord and praise the Lord and worship the Lord. It's going to be a great time. I hope you've had a wonderful fast and that God's been speaking to you. I've been telling the church in Fort Payne, I hope that this year in 2023, you hear the voice of the Lord clearer and more often than you've ever heard it before. That's my prayer. And that's my vision for 2023. I want to be a person that hears his voice. And I want you to be a person that hears his voice. And so uh, I'm excited about what's going to come out of this and what this year is going to look like. But uh, I want you very quickly to grab your Bible and stand to your feet with me. Turn to the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and we're going to read a very large portion of scripture. For some reason, the Lord always calls me to do that. I don't know why. Maybe it's for him to help me remember that what he has to say is more important than what I have to say. Ephesians chapter five, verses one through 21, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And if you don't have your Bible or you don't have it on your tablet, they should have it on the screen for you to follow along with. It says this, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those uh, things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil." Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving of thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Let's pray together today. Father, I thank you that your word is perfect, it's infallible, There's nothing else on earth that... has the value or holds the weight that your word does, because by it, it gives us divine guidance and inspiration. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I pray that it would do exactly that today, that it would instruct your people how to walk in the pathway that you've prescribed for us. We surrender ourselves. We yield to the word right now. Lord, I yield myself, my tongue. Let my words not be my own, but let me only say what you want me to say to the church of God today. In Jesus name. Amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord. Once again, it's so great to be with you. I'm so thankful to my dad and uh, mom for allowing me to be here and speak the word this morning. And I'm thankful to Pastor Madison for being willing to fill in over in Fort Payne. Since the last time I was with you guys on a Sunday morning, which was back in July, we have uh, gotten a building in Fort Payne. And if you haven't heard that news, it's uh, just due to the faithfulness of God. We got it back the 1st of September. We've been renovating it, and the sanctuary is almost complete. And uh, it's just been amazing to see what God has done in that church and in that body and in that place. And it's it's uh, just such a blessing. But I'm excited to be here this morning. And I want to jump into this because Paul's epistle to the Ephesians is a letter of encouragement, and it's a letter of direction, unlike his letters to maybe the Corinthians or the Galatians, which had a lot of correction and had a lot of uh, parental oversight where he was giving correction Correcting a lot of issues. There was a lot of things going wrong in those places, but uh, unlike in those places in Galatia and in Corinth, in Ephesus, there wasn't a lot of misconduct amongst the body of believers, but rather we see the apostles you read through chapters one, two, three, and four. He's encouraging them. He's reminding them of the price that Jesus paid for them because he loved them so much and how uh, they need to know what the will of God is and they need to, to keep unity together. And he's encouraging them um, to, to walk in the good things. that God has prepared for them. But I wanna give you very quickly before we jump into the teaching today, just a brief history about the church of Ephesus because I think it's important as the church that we know what was happening in that church and what came about and how we can benefit from it, how we can learn from it. Paul first visited this prominent city that was in Asia on his second missionary journey. And on that first visit to Ephesus, he planted the church that we know as the church at Ephesus. When we read Ephesians, Paul was writing to this body that he had planted planted on his second missionary journey, but then he came back there upon his third missionary journey, and during that was somewhere between 54 and 58 AD, and he actually stayed in Ephesus for two to three years and taught regularly to the people of God there. So Paul invested himself. He didn't just plant a church and then run off and go somewhere and then write them letters. He actually came to Ephesus, spent two to three years. You can read this in the book of Acts chapter 18. He rented out the school of Tyrannus, and he taught and people would come And they would bring their books of magic and they would burn them at the the services and they would forsake pagan worship and give their lives over to their creator who was God. And so Paul had seen a great revival take place in Ephesus. He'd seen a lot of people get saved and transformed. But then uh, he also, months later, he met with the elders of Ephesus. He called them together to an island to himself when he was on his way to be tried. And he spoke with them and he gave them in essence a farewell greeting. And the Bible says in the book of Acts, that they all fell upon Paul and they wept and they mourned because they knew that his time was coming near, that he was going to be done with his tenure here on earth and he was going to pass on from this life and into the next. And so there was a deep love and connection between Paul and Ephesus because it shows us that in the book of Acts because they fell upon him, they wept, they cried, they, they, they were burdened for him. But then when this letter was penned, the book of Ephesians, it was while Paul was under house arrest in Rome and he was writing to the church and it was 10 years after he had first showed up and planted that church in Ephesus after his second missionary journey. And it was in that time when he wrote that, 10 years later, we realized that he had a connection and he had history with these people. And, and you can see that in the way that he writes to them, in the way that he he's uh, he's communicating to them because he had spent two to three years of his life pastoring them, teaching them, leading them. And now he's writing a letter because he had no doubt, he had a depth of knowledge and revelation into of relationship and into their, the knowledge of their way of life, the way that they lived. And he had a deep connection to them throughout his years of ministry, investing into this body. And we see through Ephesians chapter five that it's his desire, Desire that they would fulfill the will of God and they would be effective in leading other people to the Lord. And that's what brings me to our text today in Ephesians chapter 5 verses one through 15, three times Paul instructs the church in Ephesus and, and by doing that to them, he's also speaking to us because what was written to them is also applicable to us in our life today. Three times he tells us, walk this way, walk this way, walk this way. And that's what I wanna talk to you about today because in verse two, he says, walk in love. In verse eight, he says, walk as children of the light. And in verse 15, he says to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And that's what I'd like to take a few moments and talk to you about today is, and my title is Walk It Out. I wanna encourage you to walk it out this morning. And I wanna start by you asking, you don't have to answer this question out loud, but think about this as I ask this question. What would classify someone as a real Christian? a true Christian, a bona fide believer of Jesus Christ. Not somebody that attends church regularly, although that is great and that's healthy and that's helpful and that's good and we should all be planted in the house of the Lord. Not just somebody that knows all the right things to do and all the right things to say. Not someone that just claims to be a Christian. What truly classifies somebody as a believer of Jesus Christ, a follower, a true bona fide Christian? And I would say my definition simply put is this. It's someone that walks like Jesus walked. It's someone that exemplifies the persona of his character and allows their life to be transformed into His likeness. That's the the best def definition that I can give you of being a Christian. It's to be like Jesus, because Jesus, through His time on earth, He was our chief example. He was our high priest. He was our picture of perfection. And Paul begins this chapter, Ephesians chapter five, verse one, by saying, "Therefore, be imitators of God, as dear tra- children." That word "imitators," as you look it up in the Greek, it simply means be followers of God. Follow in His footsteps. Follow in his ways. Treat people the way that he treated people. Talk to people the way that he talked to people and use your life as an example and an opportunity to be more like God. So I think too many people though are are caught up or focus on the fact that they believe in God and not that they actually follow God. There's a big difference in believing in God and following God. In fact, James put it this way. He said, you say you have faith, good job. That's literally what the Bible says. You say you have faith, great job, everybody. Give yourself a round of applause. Guess what? Even demons believe in God and they tremble and are terrorized at the very thought of him. So it's not enough just to believe in God. The thing that changes you from being a sinner to being someone that's actually following after God, somebody that is saying they're a Christian and actually living like a Christian is are you following after him? Because James said, faith without works is dead. That means that if you just say, I believe in God, God, that's not enough to get you to heaven. That's not enough to make you effective here on the earth. You have got to put action to your words. So it's not just believing in God, it's following God. And that's what, that's what Paul is urging and, and encouraging the Ephesians and us today with is don't just say you believe in God, follow God, be an imitator of God. Don't just worship God, but follow God. Don't just say the right things and do th- the right things, excuse me, but follow after him. God doesn't just want us to believe in him. He wants us to follow after him. They say that a pastor's job is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Well, that's what I want to do today. I want to afflict the comfortable. Those of us that have gotten comfortable in just being a Christian, I want to encourage you, walk it out. Put action to what you say that you believe. If you believe the word of God, live the word of God. In fact, the Bible says, if you Live in the Spirit, you should also walk in the Spirit, right? So don't just say, oh, I'm spirit filled. You should walk like a spirit filled person. Don't just say, oh, I commune with God and I fellowship with God. Live in such a way that what you do lines up with what you say that it is that you believe. So it's time to walk it out. Paul told the Philippians it this way. He said, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. So trembling. So let's def- start by defining what walk is. As I say, walk it out, or as Paul says, walk in love, walk in, as children of the light, walk circumspectly. What is he saying? Well, the old saints used to say things like this. How's your walk? Right or are you walking uprightly? What they're talking about is they're not talking about the physical steps that you take. In fact, that's not what this word in the Greek is talking about at all. In fact, that word walk in the Greek is the word "peripateo," and it doesn't just mean you know the action of walking. It means the conduct of your life. And that's what the old saints were talking about when they would say, "How's your walk? Or are you walking uprightly?" Is how are you conducting yourself as you call yourself a believer and a son or a daughter of God? Is what you're doing lining up with what you're saying? Is how, who you are being lined up with who you? What you say you believe in, right? So, how's your walk? And uh, Paul is instructing us to walk in a certain way, and he is speaking in regard to our conduct. He's talking about the manner in which we behave and we carry out our time here on the earth. So I came to to quiz you or ask you today. Remember, I came to afflict the comfortable. How's your walk? How's your conduct? How are you doing in those areas? Not just what's seen by people, mind you, but even the private things of your life and the places that no one else gets to peer into, but God sees all things. And are you walking uprightly? In fact, David put it this way in Psalm chapter 101. He said, I will walk with integrity. This is my favorite part, within my house. Within my house. Meaning not just in public or at church when everybody's looking and I've got my hands up and I've got my eyes closed and I'm singing, thank you Jesus for the blood applied. But even in the times when I am, At home, and I'm all alone, or how I'm dealing with my spouse or with my children. I want to walk uprightly at all times, not just when everybody else is looking and when everybody else is paying attention. So, are you living in love? Are you living in the light? Are you living circumspectly before God? Let's talk about what those things mean today. But Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, Examine yourselves. Test yourselves, to see whether you are in the faith. And I love those words, examine and test. I think it's interesting that he chose to tell them to examine themselves and then he told them to test themselves because I think for us, we would think, oh, examine and test, that's the same thing. No, examine means to search yourself for what's wrong so that you can eliminate it. Test yourself means to search yourself for what is right so that you can build upon it. If you go study those words out in the Greek. And so that's what I want us to do today. Let's examine and let's test our life. Am I walking in love, walking in the light? Am I walking circumspectly? Because it's important that we run a regular diagnostic test to evaluate our walk because our walk to me is two things. One, it's how we please God. God is pleased or displeased with your conduct. Don't believe me? You haven't read the Bible yet. God is either pleased or displeased with your conduct. But number two, your walk is also your testimony. It's how you point other people to God. And that's why our walk is so important in our life. Paul told the Philippians this. He said, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, So that means that our conduct should be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it should be pleasing to God. But then Peter wrote in his first epistle, and he said, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So what's he saying? If you conduct yourself in the right way through good works and being obedient to who God has called you to be, the people that are trying to be haters on you are going to end up glorifying God because they see your conduct. Jesus put it this way. He said, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and what glorify your father who is in heaven. So your conduct and your walk should be worthy of the gospel and it should point other people towards the Lord. The way that you treat people, the way that you talk, the way that you conduct yourself in life. So let's cover the first one. The first one is Paul tells us to walk in love. And I truly believe that Paul starts with this because if we walk in the light, And we walk circumspectly, but we don't have love. It doesn't matter. Because Paul was the same man that penned First Corinthians chapter 13, and he said, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have all knowledge, and I give all my goods to the poor, and I give my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I'm nothing but a tinkling brass or a clinging cymbal. It profits me nothing, it profits you nothing. If I don't have love, then I could do all the right things, but it will not amount to anything, and it won't help anybody. So that's why he's telling us first, start with love. Because if you get this right, then the other things will build upon it, and we'll add to it. But if you try, you're walking around in the light and you're walking around circumspectly, all you're going to be is a holy roller and nobody's actually going to care what you have to say about life or about following after God. In fact, I love this quote. It says, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I would encourage you to apply that to your life. Walk in love. First John tells us God is love. So what does that mean? Walk in God, walk with God. Let him be the one that's leading and guiding everything that you say, everything that you do, every decision that you make. I wanna encourage you today, you should be the most loving person on your job. You should be, your house should be the most loving house on your street. All Everybody should, should know that there is love inside of you. In fact, Jesus said, they will distinguish you as my disciples because of the way that you love one another. That's how important this is to God. Because when we are walking outside of love, we're walking outside of God because God is love. Conduct yourself in love. What does that look like? Well, I'll give you some examples. One, love covers a multitude of sins. So when somebody sins against you because you love them, you cover that instead of exploiting that. Love isn't envious of other people's success. In fact, that's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. It says, love does not envy. And when we think of envy, I think a lot of times we think of bass boats or houses or jobs or, or things like that. But what about just when somebody does something a little bit better than you do it? Right? What about when somebody gets the break that you wish that you had gotten or somebody gets to do something that you wish and they become successful. When you are envious of that, you are not walking in love. And so we have got to examine ourselves and that's where you take a good solid look inside and you allow the Holy Spirit to search you and say, God, is there any area in my life that I'm envious? Because if I am, I'm not walking in love because love doesn't envy. So if I'm envious, then obviously I'm not walking in love. Is there any person in my life, at my job, in my family, in the church even, that I've become envious of that person. Help me because I want to walk in love because love doesn't envy. Love also will cause you to lay your life down for the sake of others. In fact, that's what Jesus said. No greater love has any man than this, than they would lay down their life for their friends. And so if you love someone, you're willing to sacrifice your own comfort, your own possessions, your own uh, even body for them. That's what love is. Love also, here's one that will, is a really good test to run on you. Love isn't rude. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. Love does not behave rudely. So guess what? If you behave rudely to the person in the drive-thru at McDonald's that messed up your five ninety-nine combo, and you are just so, so upset about it, you should have gone to Chick-fil-A and it wouldn't have happened. I can say that. I can say that because we have a Chick fil A in Fort Payne. You guys don't, so I get it. Um, You know, but maybe try Zaxby's. I don't know. But if you are behaving rudely to that person, guess what? You're not walking in love. You can say you love people all you want. You can say, I'm a child of God and I I love everybody and God is love and God's love. God loves me so much. Well, if God loves you so much, why don't you share it with somebody else, right? And stop being rude to people when somebody drives in front of you at Walmart. You don't know, maybe they're trying to get in there to get a first aid kit because they just severed their thumb. I don't know, give them a break, right? Like, don't be so on edge all the time. And I'll tell you what, when you walk in love, you will be a more patient person because that's the first thing that it says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. And if you are short on patience, you're short on love. And we have gotta be people that walk in love. Why do we walk in love? Because that's what God wants from you and that's what God wants for you. I think it's important that we understand that there are things that God wants from us and there are also things that God wants for us. And sometimes we get so focused on what God wants for us that we fail to accomplish what God wants from us. And sometimes we get so focused on what God wants from us that we fail to miss what he's trying to bless us that he has for us. But we've gotta have a proper understanding that God wants from us and for us to walk in love. Why? Because love will draw other people to the Lord. There's nothing that will draw people to the Lord like somebody that's full of love. Just exuding and exemplifying love, like Jesus said, they'll know. They will, it will be distinguishable that you are mine because you love people, because you love one another. You can't be, listen to this, you can't be a follower of God and not be a lover of people. I've heard people say it before. I love God, but I don't like people, right? I understand that sometimes we feel that way but you cannot be a follower of God and not be a lover of people. In fact, John put it this way in his first, chat, first gospel, or not his first gospel, his first epistle. He said, if you say that you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. So if you are a follower of God, which that's what Paul is trying to point all of us to be, be imitators of God as dear children. The first thing that you have to do if you want to walk in the ways of God is you have to walk in love. Look at the life of Jesus. Did he ever treat people without love? In fact, he's the one that said, no greater love is anybody than this and a man would lay down his life for his friends. And then he went and did it. He didn't just say that love was, do, was that. He went and he did it, right? He exemplified love. Okay, so we have to walk in love. The next thing that Paul tells us is in verse eight. He says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I love that he doesn't say you were in darkness, He says, you were darkness because that's a totally different level of living. There's been times in my life since I've got saved where I have stepped into darkness and I was in darkness. Or maybe it's like when you go to the Mardi Gras outreach, you're going to be in darkness, but you're not a part of that darkness. You're a light in the midst of the darkness. But before you get saved and before you come to know God, you're not just in darkness. You are attributing to the dark. You're a part of the darkness. But the beautiful thing is that we were once darkness. In fact, I love earlier that song we sang, um, I'm reminded of who I was. I, I, I can remember that I used to be somebody that was a part of darkness. I wasn't just in it. I wasn't just hanging out around it. I was adding to the darkness, but now you're not just in the light, you are light. In fact, Jesus put it this way. He said, you are the light of the world. Why? Because the light is living inside of us. And if the light is living inside of us, then it should come out of us. And we've been transformed from who we once were to who we now are. And thanks be to God that by his grace and by his mercy, We who were once darkness, we're now light. We may live in a world that's dark, but we're not a part of the darkness anymore. We are walking as children of the light. He called us and chose us to be the radiance of his glory to the world. That's an, it's an amazing thing, but it also comes with a great level of responsibility. But Paul said, walk as children of the light, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. That shows me that walking in the light is pleasing to God. That's why in 1 John 1, verse 7, it says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship one with another, and the blood of his son will cleanse us from all sin. So it's pleasing to God when his children walk as children of the light. And once again, it points other people to him. Because Paul goes on to say this, Don't have any fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Okay, That word expose means to convict or convince with solid evidence. Now, I think that there's a lot of us that we would love to walk into work tomorrow morning and convict the people around us of sin. But a lot of times we think that the way that that's going to happen is by telling them about their sin or telling them that they're living as darkness, or telling them that what they're doing is wrong. But that's not what the Bible says here. It says, rather expose them, convict, or convince them how? By walking as children of the light. Not by telling them about what they're doing, but by showing them by what you're doing. That you walk into light, into work, and you are a light that exemplifies, and it exposes, and all of a sudden, it's just like when when you turn on the lights in a room, it's like uh, the other night, Zoe woke up in the middle of the night, and I ran into her bedroom, and I didn't turn the light on because, you know, if you guys, how many parents know that, like, you don't turn the light on because that may be the the thing that, like, they're not going back to sleep once the light comes on, right? So you're just like, and I stepped on a toy, and I swear, like, it was, it, it, It wasn't a Lego, but it was like, like there's Legos and then there's like whatever I stepped on, okay? Because like everybody's like, oh, the pain of stepping on Legos. Um, And then I'm like, don't scream because like I'm gonna wake her up, right? But it got me to the point where I had to turn the light on. And once I turned the light on, I realized it was like walking through a minefield. I mean, that that floor was just, it was right after Christmas. It was just covered with stuff. And there was no way I could have gotten to her without the light. But what did the light do? It exposed the things that were hindrances or that were going to bring about destruction to my feet, right, but to my bare feet that night. And so what we do is when we come into a situation and we're living as the light, we are exposing those things in people's life. Not, And, and it may be through something that you say, but it's not by you going around saying, hey, uh, you know that that looking at porn's wrong. Hey, you know that drinking too much is wrong. Hey, it's not that you are, are convicting them or convincing them by by compelling speech or by, you know, breaking the Bible over their head. It's by simply being a person that lives in the light. So we convict people by walking as children of the light. Um, And as we do that, it exposes darkness in other people's life and it manifests sin and shame that they're walking in to the point where they wonder, how do I get what they have? How do I walk in the light the way that they're walking in the light? And that gives you an open door to share the love of God and the gospel. I think a lot of times we try to share the gospel to people that aren't open to the gospel. And I don't know about you, but anytime I've tried to pour something into a container that already had a top on it, I didn't make anything but a mess. And so it's always important to wait for an opening, to wait for an open door. And love and walking in the light will eventually give you the open door necessary to be able to pour in the truth of the gospel so that people can be saved and they can come to know the Lord. Lastly, the apostle tells us to walk circumspectly, not as fools. That's a word for somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, stop acting a fool. I don't think there's any fools in here. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. But Paul does tell us, Walk circumspectly, meaning don't, don't act foolish. Don't, it, it, it's really, it's an apostolic way of saying, don't be an idiot, y'all, right? <laughs> it's Paul saying, look, I've known y'all for a long time. And there's some of y'all, I'm not going to name any names, but there's some of y'all in here need to quit acting like idiots and you need to get your stuff together. You need to start acting circumspectly instead of acting idiotically or stupidly, right? You need, to quit getting, you need to quit acting this way. There's some things that you need to change in your life. But the word circumspectly is translated in almost every translation of the Bible, with the exception of the King James and New King James Version, as carefully. And I hate that. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not saying I hate your Bible, um, but if you read a translation that says walk carefully. I really don't like that because there's nothing careful about walking with God. And I'm just going to be honest with you about that. There is nothing that is, is safe about walking with God. And that's not actually what the the apostle did not say. Walk carefully. He said, walk circumspectly. If you go look up the word in the Greek, it literally means, doesn't mean to be careful. It's the Greek word acrobos, And it's where we get our word acrobat. Okay. An acrobat. Think about an acrobat for a second. Is there anything careful about being an acrobat? Yeah. Flying. I remember going to the circus when I was a child and seeing these people fly through the air and, you know, do flips and stuff. And then there would be somebody that would walk on a tightrope. And actually, that's where we get the, 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 the French word for tightrope actually comes from this same Greek word, acrobos, and it means to walk at a high level. That's what Paul is actually saying to us. He's not saying walk carefully. Now, there are certain aspects of care that have to come into your walk in order to make it across the tightrope, but he's not talking about being fearful in the way that you walk. He's saying, I want you to walk at the highest level possible. In fact, that word akros, acrobos. the acro means highest point and bos is where we get walk. So to walk at the highest level. And it so... It means also not just at the highest point, but it means to walk with exactness. Have exactness in your steps. Be intentional about the way that you live is what the apostle is saying. Have vision for your life. I was sharing our word for January of 2023 for the church is vision because Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. That word cast off, that phrase cast off restraint means go backwards. That means if you don't have vision for what's ahead of you, you'll only go back to what you already know. And that's a dangerous place to be because he who puts his hand to the plow, but turns around and looks the other way isn't even fit for the kingdom of God. And so we've got to have vision. That means that vision helps you walk with exactness, that I know where I'm going. I know what God has called me to be. And I'll tell you this, don't try to accomplish anything in your life without first making sure it's God's plan for your life. I'm so tired of this, this message and this idea that you can do anything. You can be anything, no matter how hard I try or how long I work, I will never be a professional ballerina. I can wake up at four in the morning and put my feet in those shoes and try to stand on my toes. I, I could work all day, all night. And guess what? I'll never make it. Why? I don't have the ability. I don't have the talent. I don't have the figure, okay, to be a professional ballerina. I don't, I don't have the natural gifting that God gave to other people to do that. So no, you can't do anything and no, you can't be anything. But anything that God created you and called you to be, he will give you everything that you need to get there. But you're gonna have to get vision for that thing and give yourself wholly to it and walk circumspectly with exactness at a higher level. And that's what God's doing right now. He's calling you to a higher level of living to be who he's called you to be. That's why acrobats are called acrobats because they fly through the air at the highest point possible, or they walk across a tightrope and they have to execute their, mo- their maneuvers with exactness and accuracy. And that's what Paul's saying to us. Make sure that the way that you walk, make sure that the way that you conduct your life is at the highest level possible. God's calling you to the high, to a higher level. He's calling you in 2023 to not just be average, not just be mundane, not just wonder, well, why, why don't I get the breaks that they get and why am I not as talented as they are? God has a specific call and a purpose on your life, but you'll only get there if you walk circumspectly. And it's pleasing to God. Think about it as a parent. There is nothing more rewarding than seeing your child advance or succeed at something. I don't care if it's when they're a baby and they just start crawling or if they're an adult and they get a promotion at their job. There is nothing better than seeing your child succeed. And imagine the pleasure of the father when he sees us respond to the higher level of living that he's calling us to walk at, to walk with exactness at a higher level. But when you do, hopefully you're catching the theme by now that with all these things, walking in love, walking a lot, walking circumspectly, it's pleasing to God, but there's also a second aspect to it it points other people to him. Because when people see the success on your life, they see the exactness in which you walk. They see the accuracy in which your steps, because they're ordered by the Lord and you're walking in them. All of a sudden they want to know what is it that's different about you? When you can say, well, I walk circumspectly. Well, what does that mean? Well, I walk at a higher level. It doesn't mean I'm better than anybody. I just believe that through God, I can go higher and go farther and be better than I could on my own. Because listen to me, church, you were created on purpose for a purpose and that purpose is twofold. Please God and lead other people to him. It doesn't matter if you're a mechanic. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, a stay-at-home mom, or you build houses. You were called to please God and impact people. For his kingdom. And the way that you will do it is by walking in love, walking as a child of the light, and by walking circumspectly. Pastor Joel, would you join me please? I want you to know today you don't have to have a degree in theology to lead people to Jesus. You don't have to have years and years of experience and thousands of scripture in, in your memory bank at your disposal to be able to tell people about him. But you know what you do have to do? You gotta be loving, you gotta walk in the light and you have got to walk circumspectly. Would you stand to your feet with me today? I wanna make a call to the altar today. For those of you that would like to make a fresh commitment to say, you know what? I want to do those three things. I want to be an imitator and I want to be a follower of God. I want to walk in love. I want to walk in the light and I want to walk circumspectly. If that's you, you can come find a place in the altar today and just begin to meet with God and allow him to speak to you today. Maybe he's going to reveal some areas in your life where you haven't been loving. Maybe he's going to expose some darkness in your life. Maybe he's going to show you some areas where you haven't been walking with exactness. You haven't been walking at the level that he's created you to walk at. Guess what? His grace is here to lift you up to a higher level. We go from grace to grace. We go from strength to strength. We go from glory to glory. And I believe that today God's calling us to a higher level of glory, a higher level of grace, a higher level of living. So just right now begin to repent if there's areas in your life that you need to say I'm sorry for and you need to turn and go the other way Father I thank you that you have called us and chosen us to be imitators of you followers of you and not only that but we get to be examples in our community and examples in our family and examples in our church and in our workplace and God I pray for the one today I feel like there's some people here today that you you do a pretty good job of walking this way in public or when I was talking about walking with integrity within your home you could feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I pray for grace for you today that you would be able to walk this way at home not just when everybody else is looking and they know at work you're a Christian. They know at church that you're a deacon and they know in the when you see them at the ball game or at the store, they know you go to the well. But I'm talking about when you're at home and you're with just your spouse or you're with your children or you're all by yourself. I'm praying right now that God would give you the victory in that area to be able to be this type of person at all times. Realizing that God sees all, knows all and he helps us in everything. So I'm praying for that grace for you today. Have your way. you need to build upon as you leave from this altar here today and I would encourage you don't leave this without vision today so that you can walk with exactness so that you know the exact steps that he wants to lead you and to guide you in and I want you to know today God doesn't his will is not for you to walk with blurry vision but his will is for you to walk with perfect vision He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you every step of the way. You might not know five steps ahead, but he'll definitely give you the next step that you need to make. He'll show you what you need to do, ask him for it, and he'll reveal it to you. Father, I thank you that you're a good father. I thank you for the love and the compassion and the tender grace and mercy that you have for your people and for your church. And Lord, as I was reminded this morning, we can't do any of these things apart from And so more than anything, I ask that you would fill every single heart fresh and new with your Holy Spirit and with a desire to do what is right so that we can fulfill the plan and the calling and the purpose that you have for us. And Lord, I pray that you would lead and guide your people not just in this house, but in our workplaces the community, that people would see the love, see the light and see the exactness in which we walk. And Lord, it wouldn't call them to want to be like us but it would call them to want to be like you because as they get closer to us, they realize that we're only imitating what we see in you and who you are. So Lord, let us lead people to you so that they can see your glory and see your grace and your compassion. Lord, I pray that this would be a week and this would be a year that we lead many people To you, not just in the church, but even outside the church, Lord, I pray that you would equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we just say thank you for everything that you're doing in our midst, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to stay in the altar, you're welcome to do so today. But for those of you that are still in your seats, I want to speak a blessing over you today. If you just lift your hands and receive this, may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you lift up his countenance upon you. May he keep you in his peace. May you walk in love. May you walk as children of light. and May you walk in circumspect, redeeming the time because the, we are living in evil days. But I know that the God that is inside of us is greater than he that is in this world and he will prepare you everything that you need so that you can accomplish every good work. I speak a blessing over you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget we'll be back together tonight at 6 p.m. We hope to see you. Love you. Have a great week.